Hey, Tamir. Hey there. Love you see. Yeah. Well, we've seen each other a fair amount, but we haven't seen our listeners in a while. <laughs> yes, we haven't seen seen each other in the context of this podcast episode. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot going on. There's been a lot going on in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry it's been a while since we've got an episode out, y'all. My mom died. Um, so this is actually not the first time we've tried to record this. Um, and some of that, I think, is because I was super out of it due to the grief. And then we had some other stuff going on. And then we recorded this once before and it, it just wasn't right. It wasn't right. And I'm really glad we took some extra time to rework the content because it's an important subject and very easy to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. Oh, so for those of you who, you know, maybe heard our last episode, this is part two in our series of taking about taking up space. And last time, I think we had a really rich conversation about the ways in which white people can take up too much space in multiracial settings. And what we've been trying to record and what we're going to try again to talk about today is the flip side of this. Uh, the ways in which we hold ourselves too small when we don't show up fully in multiracial spaces we're in and what happens, what results from that and what we might do with that. Um, and just to reiterate kind of <laughs> what Tamir was alluding to, far more often than not, the problem is not the thing that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the problem is what we covered in our last episode, when white people show up too big, taking up too much space in ways that results in harming people of color in processes that they're leading or participating in. This side of the coin has been really challenging for Tamir and I to look at and talk about because there's so much nuance around, you know, what about X specific situation? What about X specific relationship um, that could really take this topic in different directions? And like, just to be honest, we're still really wrestling with this content in real time. Uh, this could be messy, <laughs> but we think that there's value in not just giving you clean, easy answers. Um, we think there's value in just talking about what's hard about this topic. Yeah. What are you thinking, what are you thinking about this one? <laughs> well, I think like the core thing, which we'll get to in more detail later, is just like, this is a thing that's both self-sabotaging. We've talked about self-sabotage before where the work undermines our commitment to racial equity. And it also holds us small, right? Or uh, gets in the way of our sort of living into our fullness. It also undermines the leadership of people of color. And so like playing too small isn't just like, it's not just like holding ourselves small. It actually interferes with the work. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of this is about like, what is the work that we're trying to do? Um, what are the anti-racist efforts we're trying to move forward in these multiracial spaces? So yeah, this isn't just about like self-improvement and like having more confidence or, you know, speaking up more. This is about how do we show up in ways that support the work that we're doing? Yeah, and this can show up in super concrete ways, right? It could look like over-relying on direction from people of color. So say like you never do anything unless a person of color in one of the spaces you're in explicitly asks you to. Um, it's kind of inviting micromanagement, right? That like you don't trust yourself enough to do anything. So somebody's got to kind of sit on you and do it. Uh, you never apply your own analysis of the situation that you're in, but you like rely strictly on guidance from people of color. Like I've heard people talk about spending really long periods of time, like interpreting emails or sort of ambiguous statements to try to get at somebody's intent, which mm. can be valuable. And we'll talk more about the sort of line between discipline and playing small 
over time, but it can get to a point where you're basically not functioning independently. Um, similarly, if you don't like volunteer to do stuff because you're afraid you don't know enough or you won't get it right, who's going to do that work if you're not going to do it? Sometimes it doesn't get done or somebody uh, who's already overtaxed has to do it instead of you. Um, so you probably can write that email promoting the meeting. Maybe you can even facilitate the meeting, right? Depending on where you're at in your journey. Um, then there's a juicy one, a juicy one, which we're going to talk about in much more depth in a future episode, which is when you don't share your thoughts or disagree with people of color you're organizing with, even if the consequences of not doing that are potentially significant. And I want to pause here because again, more often than not, the issue is that we're taking up too much space and we're sharing thoughts or asking questions in ways that are disruptive and about centering our own comfort or our own privilege rather than really being about shifting systems, winning campaigns, right? Making the, the, the space that we're in helping it function better. Um, so there's a ton of nuance, but sometimes it means we're going along with stuff. It's not just that it makes us uncomfortable. So we might think it's wrong, right? Mm. And like, Going along with something you haven't really consented to isn't great either. Um, and it can mean perhaps that an important conversation hasn't happened. And sometimes when we do that, we could actually go along with it. But because we haven't talked about it, we kind of shrink back, maybe don't participate fully. So we're kind of holding ourselves back in the way that also denies the group the benefit of our energy and our just ability to complete tasks. Um, so... All of those things are different ways of sort of showing up too small. What's coming up for you, Austin, as we're talking about those? Oh, I'm just thinking about like all the things that you and I have talked about offline of like just the nuance of this. And I'm, I'm glad you mm -hmm. mentioned that we'll get into this in a future episode. So I don't think, you know, I need to like say too much right now, but just, yeah, thinking about the nuance of withholding um, feedback, withholding disagreeing from people of color. Um, even when that there are negative consequences that come from that. Yep. Yep. I'm also starting to think about impact. So you just named all of these examples of ways that white people can show up small and like we're starting to get into like, what is the impact of that? Um, and one of the impacts of that, which I feel like sometimes we don't often see is the, that when we show up small, we can undermine the leadership of people of color, which sounds a little mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Um, like the, you would think the opposite <laughs> would be, would be true. Yeah. Um, but when we show up small, sometimes it can deny leaders of color, the benefit of human resources, like the benefit of your ability to participate in and produce the work um, being valuable. Like, you know, we've said time and again that like, you know, we, we believe that white people have something to offer in anti-racism work. We believe that there is a role for white people in this work. And so showing up small can actually make it take longer <laughs> for a leader of color to actually push forward whatever the work is that we're supposed to do because we need more hands on deck because they need more folks to actually get into this work with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, as I'm listening to you, I feel like this is a balancing. So what we don't want you to do when you're listening to this is feel like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. It's about finding some ease, right? Like there are some things it's not appropriate for us to do, right? And not stepping up to do those things or not speaking up in that moment is fine. And there are times when there's value to it and might actually be welcome if you're in a relationship with folks. And we'll talk about that more later in this episode. So we don't want you to feel like, you know, uh, I think often the sort of reflex is like, well, I'm taking up too much space, so I'm just not going to do anything. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoa, like where'd Tamir go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This can just be super burdensome to people of color. Like when mm-hmm. we show up small, like, like you alluded to with micromanaging earlier, like they not only have to manage us or even micromanage us, mm-hmm. we've got to tend to our delicate, fragile feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Am I not doing like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Like, should I do that? Uh, 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 like kind of all the hedging that we do um, yeah. that leaves more work <laughs> to the folks of color in the group, like actual organizing work. Yeah. And you know, I'm realizing there's one part of showing up small that we didn't talk about, which is just like showing up with a lot of fragile feelings. Mm. And like, look, we've talked about fragility before. There's like a legit aspect to fragility where it's like, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid to screw up. I'm afraid to cause harm. Right. And like, you know, that's a thing. It's a real thing. And there's a point at which that shows up so much that we can't actually contribute. And like, but it's a way of actually taking up too much space in an attempt to take up too little space. Right. It becomes, as we've talked about before, affirmation seeking behavior or like kind of hemming and hawing in ways that like people really feel that energy. I was talking to a a friend of mine who's a, a woman of color. And when I told her we were talking about this, she's like, good, because this gets really annoying. Um, (laughs) So, like, let's take that to say there's a level of, like, judicious ease in this. That's probably welcome from some of your colleagues if this is something you're struggling with. Mm Yeah. Yeah, I think you, yeah, you just hit on the, like, ways in which showing up small can keep us feeling bad about ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. There's self-sabotage in that, right? Like, this... Mm -hmm going into this, what feels like kind of this victim-y place of like, I'm inherently untrustworthy. I can't rein in my own inherent harmfulness. Like the best thing I can do is minimize my presence. Like that all feels super like self-victimization there. Um, And I think it's something we need to to notice if that's coming up in ourselves because it is an impact on the work that we're doing when we show up in that way. It is learned helplessness, right? Like I, there was a time when I was performing learned helplessness in the spaces I was part of. And I didn't realize it's because I had learned that pattern of behavior from childhood trauma. And as soon as I realized that I'm like, Oh no, I don't like this. I want to do something different. I don't want to just look like I'm trying. I want to actually be doing work. So what do I have to shift? Yep. Yeah. So Tamir, talk to us about why does this happen? Why do sometimes we as white people show up small in these multiracial spaces? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say about this is there's a, a practice in this that can be a good thing, right? There's a discipline around saying, I am making an effort not to take up too much space. I am making an effort not to impose my whiteness on the work that we are doing. I'm making an effort not to distort the intent of the leaders of color in the space that I'm a part of, right? Because I'm here to support them. And there's mm-hmm. truth in that. Um, but it can go to a point where you actually relinquish ownership of the work in a way that is not necessarily even true to the intent of the people we're organizing with. And if we're organizing out of uh, mutual interest, then we have a stake in it too, right? So there's there's a balance there and there's a level of discipline that could become so rigid and trying to adhere to intent that you kind of end up not doing as much as you, as you could. Uh, we talked about learned helplessness or hypervigilance. There's a level of being so scared of messing up yeah. that it's not just you don't do anything. It's that it becomes almost impossible to do something because the voices I've had this experience many times, right? The voices in my head are so fast and so varied and so loud that like, I have to like curl into a ball 
in order to avoid that intense, you can call it discomfort. It's like really, really intense discomfort. I think that kind of like short trips, just how intense it can be. And again, a fear of causing harm, like there's a value to fear in this work when we're in healthy relationship with it. If we take it as data, if I'm concerned about something great, go for rigor. What am I concerned about? What are the risks here? How do I actually lay them out so that I can guard against them rather than hold on to a non-specific fear of causing harm or messing up that doesn't actually let me act at all, right? Yes. Mm. Yes, yes, uh, yes. That just hit home for me. So there's a couple of other dimensions to this. I'm not I'm not sure I'm feeling this in the flow, but I'll I'll try it out. So I think what we we look at how we wrote this. Like we talk about work appointments. I'll just try this on. Mm. So when we feel this kind of intense fear shame, discomfort, the kinds of things that prevent us from showing up more fully. Um, it feels like we're working really hard because we're putting so much energy into fighting off those voices in our heads. In reality, it could be said that we're practicing a kind of work avoidance, right? Where the discomfort of working through the feelings is more work in the short term than hiding from the feelings. Mm-hmm. In the long run, it's more work to let those feelings control you, mm. right? That it is to actually address them. But uh, Muhammad Ali once said that discipline is doing things you hate, like you love them. And there's something to be said for that here, yeah. right? Mm. And it's not just about allyship. It affects, it can affect every aspect of your life. Most of the time we procrastinate, we're not avoiding the work. We're avoiding our like weird, icky, crummy feelings about the work. Um, so we can let allyship be a place where we practice going into that internal emotional work so that we're not letting fear or guilt or shame get in the way or sort of overcorrecting into defiance. Like I'm worthy, damn it. And then we show up too hard without enough discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's such a like, yeah. an irony here that I think you just named of like, <laughs> if I am, if I am like, contending with the guilt, the shame that, you know, all of these thoughts, it feels like I'm doing the work, but I'm not actually doing the work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels like it's being productive, but it actually isn't being productive because I'm not approaching it with rigor. Like you named, you know, I'm just like holding on to this amorphous, like, I'm afraid I'm going to screw up versus asking myself some of the questions that you just named. So yeah, yeah, this this is an ironic one. I feel. And I feel like there's sort of like a, an easy test for whether the work we're doing is productive. Like, is it strengthening relationships? Is it building power? Is it changing systems in some like explicit way? Mm. And if not, then what is it doing? Mm. Right. Who is it for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not to say we don't have to do like the internal work so that we can do the external work. Like yeah. you and I, we, that's right. we got to do the internal work. But if that's where we're staying, if that's like, mm-hmm. the, you know, if we're just kind of spinning around in our own thoughts, our own guilt and shame, yeah, and not, like <laughs> actually contending with that so that we can show up and do mm-hmm. the external work, then it's just, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Spinning is not inner work. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. work, right? That's work has point. like direction. Yeah. That's <laughs> a really good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Shall we talk about how we shift these patterns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So we've kind of alluded to it, but you know, we can show up in a way that's grounded, that's humble, that's rigorous without taking up too much space, taking up too little space uh, or reenacting white superiority or entitlement. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to say more about that, like what that looks like. Yeah. So we talked about this in our last episode a little bit. We talked about showing up with curiosity and positive regard. So if you're entering a multiracial space and you're like, maybe you're noticing some stuff like this doesn't feel like it's working the way it should. There seem to be some issues here. It looks like there's some tension. Rather than go into the default fixer mode, I new white person to this space. I'm going to fix all the things, right? Mm -hmm. We start with appreciative inquiry. What's working well in this space? What's amazing mm -hmm. about these leaders, right? What is so what's powerful about this space that makes me want to be here? And then how can I support the folks who are leading in the space? What are their frustrations, mm -hmm. right? And those allow us to show up from a place of humility. And I'll say, I don't always do this. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. But when I do, people notice and I, I get messages like, keep showing up the way you're showing up. I really appreciate yeah. your support, right? And it, it makes a difference. And it speaks to how unusual it is hmm. for white folks to act this way. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. To all of that. Um, yeah. And going back to something I said a little bit earlier, like one way to shift those patterns is to recognize that we are being invited or asked by mm -hmm. people of color to do a lot of important work, mm -hmm. uh, that there actually is some space for us. You know, it's not that there isn't a place for us whatsoever, but if we're showing up fragile, if we're showing up brittle, then we're taking up space in really harmful ways. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, we're not necessarily being invited or asked to do exactly the thing we would want to do. Mm. That's important to keep in mind, right? We might yeah. be being asked to like do some phone banking or like take a route on a mutual aid day, like mm -hmm. whatever the case is. Um, and it doesn't have to be all of what you do, but like you might not get invited to lead the group. That's mm -hmm. cool. Don't need to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There are lots of ways to engage and participate as long as you're attuned to what the invitation is. I think that's the key message I want to offer. And like, if you really are feeling called to do something that that space isn't inviting you to do, it's worth asking yourself if that space maybe isn't for you. There might be a reason, right? It, it might just, you might just not be aligned. Um, but allow yourself the chance to check in about that, right? What is it about that that's not landing for you? Um you know, are you, are you looking to be a bit special? That kind of thing. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Mm. I'm not sure if we talked about how to shift this, uh, the specific strategy for how to shift this pattern in our last episode, but I feel like it mm. would, it applies to many different situations is just mm -hmm. blowing down and noticing what's happening inside of you when you're in these, in these groups, in these spaces, like, mm -hmm you know, asking, is there an emotional trigger coming up? Like you named one earlier, something that came mm -hmm. up around childhood trauma for you. Like, yeah. are there emotional triggers that are coming up in that moment? You know, asking what narrative am I telling myself about the situation I'm in and how I need to show up in it? Mm -hmm. And just asking some of these, like the slowing down, noticing and asking some of these questions about what's happening is the first step or can be a first step in practicing discernment. Um, mm -hmm. which we want to talk about more in a future episode as well. Yeah. 
And like, just to say a little bit about discernment is the way I describe it is like discernment is the way the inner process through which you translate your values and principles into action. So it's like mm -hmm. how you sort of take in what's happening around you, process it through your values and beliefs and vision, and then choose what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we're holding ourselves small where we're not showing up fully, we're not mm -hmm. in our discernment, right? We're in a place of hypervigilance, learned helplessness, negative self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. Or like just trying really, really hard to like do the right thing but without really letting ourselves see what's around us. There's usually more that's possible than we think there is. And there's a way forward that offers both ease and values alignment if you allow yourself the space to find it. And that's what discernment is. Yeah. Thanks for giving us the preview of discernment. I love that. I love that definition. I'm excited to get into it more. So we've got one more way to shift patterns. And Tamir and I have wrestled with this because we want to. we don't want to send... A message. Well, I don't even know. Right, <laughs> bear. Like, we don't, we don't want to encourage white people to take up space in ways that are harmful. Right. And, you know, if you're someone who often falls into a pattern of staying small, I think there is some value into like to trying something different, which might be taking some risks while really practicing impact assessment. Tamir, do you want to say more about kind of what we mean by impact assessment? I'm actually wondering, because this one was one that you felt strongly about. I'm wondering if you can give a concrete example, like really mm. concrete. Mm, 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 mm. Let me think about it. I'm trying to think of, yeah, an example of my own or not, or someone else's or not. Um, hmm. I mean, I think it can look like I can think about situations where I've, you know, been in a multiracial space and I have been hesitant to speak up. And it's looked like me just offering, you know, a contribution when there has been an opportunity to offer a contribution. Mm -hmm. uh, that could look like offering feedback. Um, <clears throat> and that comes with kind of assessing what is really at stake in the situation. Like, Am I afraid of being embarrassed? Like, am I afraid of like taking mm -hmm. the risk of speaking up and feeling embarrassed about what I've, you know, said, or am I risking like dominating the process by speaking up or like messing mm -hmm. with the process in a way that like actually isn't helpful for getting the work done and like really starting to discern the difference? Like, is there, yeah, <laughs> is the risk about me really? Like if I, if mm -hmm. I speak up? in in a situation where I don't typically speak up in or is the risk about the work or harming yeah. people? Yeah. Like if I say something in a, in a meeting, am I worried about embarrassing myself or am I, am I worried that this is going to hurt somebody or make somebody mad in the meeting? Exactly. This is, this is also like, um, I've been doing some work around harm and actually naming types of harm specifically to like when you're facilitating like mm -hmm. workshops or like, you know, sort of short one-off spaces. And I think one of the things that's really disorienting for white folks is like the way we've been, the ways we've been taught not to harm people are woefully insufficient when we start taking into account the history and ongoing manifestations of white supremacy. Right. So like we understand that microaggressions are bad. Could you name every type of microaggression? Probably mm -hmm. not. And so that's part of where we fall into learned helplessness, right? So it's like, this gets really, really tricky. I remember I was co-facilitating a workshop. It was a multiracial workshop on stances for talking about justice. Um, 
sort of like, how do you ground in yourself? And we invite people to do this exercise, which we actually, we've since jettisoned the exercise in favor of something better because we found that like white women were responding to it better than like any people of color in the workshop uh, or most people of color in the workshop, I should say. And this woman started talking about how she felt like herself when she was with her dog and like the people, both my co-facilitator who was a woman of color and the, the people in the room were like, oh, like this doesn't, this isn't landing right. Um, and there was something about it that felt, it just felt wrong. It felt like it was making light of the space or something like that. Um, it just felt like an inappropriate reference. And like, that's yeah. the kind of thing where like, you're really trying to show up and be yourself, but you don't know that something that feels really innocent to you is going to yeah. cause harm. And that's tough. And maybe in a space where like you're in relationship, this comes back to discernment, right? When you're in relationship with the people you're organizing with, that might be fine. They might yeah. love your dog. They might know your dog. Right. But like, yeah. if it's a, a brand new group of people, maybe we're feeling hesitant and it's like, it, it's a bit tricky. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's not, this is a place where there's not necessarily a clean answer because sometimes you just don't know. Yep. Just don't you know. don't know until you try. And like, we don't want to encourage folks to just try recklessly and like, yeah. you know, go from, you know, not saying anything to just like speaking mm -hmm. up all the time and taking up a ton of space. Yeah. And on the other hand, like just in that example, you, you kind of don't know until you try. So how can you yeah. discern as you are thinking about like how to participate in a space? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more to unpack here. Eventually we're going to talk about harm. There's just, there's so much, so, so, so much to unpack about harm and what it is. Mm -hmm. It's such a hotly contested topic right now. Even with the progressive movement, right? There are people who feel like we're not attentive enough to things that are harmful. And there are people who feel like we're too attentive to the point that it's impossible to actually be in relationship and move work forward. And, you know, there are folks on both sides of that that you might not expect. So it's not just a whitewashing. It's, it's much more complex than that. So I'm looking forward to getting into that at some point with you. I feel like we're getting into stickier and stickier topics. This is ooh, good. And like, yeah, we're getting into it. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, Allison, if there are any ways that you still find yourself sometimes either taking up too much space or too little. Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like I generally fall into the pattern of taking up too little space, um, mm. more so than too much space. Although I, I would be fascinated to hear from colleagues past and present. They may have a different <laughs> perspective about how I take mm -hmm. up space. Um, yeah. I think just kind of the example I gave of like stretching myself to share a little more, whether it's a little more of my opinion or perspective or, you know, thought um, in situations where I have not typically done that. So mm -hmm. that's kind of my like growth area, <laughs> like to share a little more and see how that lands for folks and see, yeah. you know what the impact of that is in a situation. Um, yeah. I think, I think about kind of how I show up as a facilitator and I generally have erred on the side of like sharing not a lot, like not a lot about myself, mm -hmm. a lot about, you know, like in an effort to not want to over influence the process of a group. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm recognizing that there are places that, yeah, it actually is, would be helpful for what mm -hmm. a group is to do for me to share a little bit more. And I'm getting feedback around that when I do. Yeah. Uh, that that's a, a welcomed thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. How about you? Do you 
how are you trying to shift patterns of taking up too much space or too little space? Yeah. So I think like over the course of my career, overall, the history is far more erring in taking up too much space um, for a lot of different reasons. And as I've been sort of trading myself to right size that, I find that sometimes my discernment fails. Like I have something I want to say, I try to craft it and I miss something. And often it relates specifically to black women. Um, and like, since my mom passed, I found that like when I'm hitting waves of grief, my discernment is like really badly affected by that. And I just don't have the brain power to like think it through. And I realized that there are ways in which I'm not necessarily holding the specific ways in which black women and in some cases, women of color more generally are undermined in racial justice work. So like mm. Saturday morning, I woke up and I made a list because like I need something to refer to so that I'm holding these things with more care, even when I'm like talking to my friends, because okay. I think there were things I was saying that like they weren't landing right, or mm. I was missing something important, or I was like too quick to respond huh. in a way that just like, it's not that it, you could say it wasn't careful enough. I think it just didn't reflect what I already know sure. in a way that like, you know, I can just write that off and be like, oh, well, I screwed that up. That's a relationship I care about, right? Yeah. So that's, I think, it's less specifically about taking up space and more about exercising good discernment when I'm taking up a good amount of space. And I'm hearing you name too, that like you're recognizing that there are things or things that impact your discernment, like grief, which is a huge yeah. you know, one. That's an all, like, oh, grief can be so encompassing, all encompassing. And so- yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing you even just saying that, slowing down and noticing, like, what are the things that are impacting how I am <laughs> discerning how to move forward mm -hmm. in this situation? Yeah. And like, for that reason, I as I was reflecting on like the sort of missteps I've made recently, it's like, oh, I need to take a step back from this work for a minute and mm -hmm. just like give the wave time to pass and like get back to myself because I don't know that I can avoid these mistakes right now. If yeah. there are things I really needed to do during that time, I would do them and just let the people I'm working with know like, I might mess up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels like too much, like let's talk about it and what we do. Um, yeah. and that's like, you know, one of the ways that we take up too little space is we absent ourselves altogether. So this has been an issue in a group I'm a part of locally. where like, we just had an accountability conversation because a lot of white folks who like, you know, barreled into the work a couple of years ago, stopped showing up or stopped showing up as frequently. Mm. And there are people who genuinely like worked really hard and need to step back for a while. And there are, but there's no one there, there, there aren't enough people to sort of step in and move the work forward. Yeah. And so like, that's a place where it's okay to take care of your needs. Yeah. This is, this is less about just being an individual ally and more about the spaces that you're in, right? If you're in mostly volunteer run organizing spaces, you have to have the capacity, right? The collective capacity so that as individual people need to step in and out, there's enough energy, people, hours, and skill to actually step in and move that work forward. Mm. Um, and when those things aren't there, it can be really tough to tend to yourself. And especially if you're, you're stepping out, not due to like life happening or being in a bad place, but just being fragile, like yeah. that's tough. That's real tough. Yeah. Um, it also reminds me that another really concrete thing you can do, if you're not sure if you're taking up too much space or too little, just have a buddy, right? An accountability buddy. And I, I'm actually... Uh, maybe who knows, maybe someone will reach out to me for this. I've been wanting an accountability buddy recently where our entire relationship for as long as we're doing this is just about checking in on accountability on an individual level, right? Mm. Am I holding to my practice? Am I moving enough money? Am I avoiding stuff I don't like? Wow. Um, 
and that's it. Like we talk once or once a, every one to two weeks, let me bounce. Yeah. And that can be like, am I taking up too much space here? Am I t- thinking about this totally wrong? And that's a really helpful practice with someone whose analysis you trust. I love it. I love that. I hope someone does reach out. I love that. <laughs> that's so awesome. Oh, speaking of accountability, mm-hmm. let's check in around our action commitments. We both made some commitments to take some action. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to kick us off and start. <laughs> if, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's been a while too. So yeah, mm-hmm. my, <clears throat> what I'm trying to take action on and committed to taking action on is, um, you know, finding a local organizing home where I live mm-hmm. and I can't remember. I think the last time we talked, um, I had gone to to one kind of event, one kind of, um, you know, organizing gathering and it was really good. And mm-hmm. I um, am actually going to go to another one very soon. Um, so I'm looking forward to, yeah, learning more, contributing more, just getting to know this, this entity better and, um, and plug it in. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to remember what my action commitment was, which mm-hmm. is terrible, but I, I'm pretty sure it had to do with continuing to build local relationships. And I feel like that's gone yeah. really well. And now I think what I have to do, I'm not sure how to translate this into a future action commitment, but I'm trying to be really thoughtful and careful about how I build those relationships now, because mm-hmm. as I, I live in a, a, a small town in a small county um, mm-hmm. and people know each other, there's politics involved, um, you know, there's both power relationships and dynamics that play out outside of those power relationships, right? Because it's a small town and everybody knows each other. So I'm wanting to be really smart and really thoughtful about how I continue to build those relationships and translate those into work. Sure. Um, Cause I'm, I'm a consultant outside of this. And so there's like, there's this sort of boundary between what I do just as like a local organizer and what I do professionally. Right. So just trying to hold all that and really exercise discernment around like, as I build this friendship, am I being mindful that like this person's on that person's board? Right. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? Um, yeah. so just trying to be really smart about that. <clears throat> yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you've had a lot going on. So I know the action that you're, you know, taking has yeah, been impacted by everything that's going on in your world. And that's yeah. You're, you're doing I know you're doing what you can do given the circumstances. Yeah. But like people are generous when I'm in relationship with them. Right. Mm. Um, so it's just about like putting that relationship first. Mm. Yep. Yep. And and I think my, my commitment is to continue to hold that. Like, how am I, how am I continuing to honor like the folks of color who I'm organizing with and being mindful of the particular ways in which in a predominantly white space, people get undermined all the time and how maybe part of that. And again, this is not very action oriented, but it's like trying to be a student of that Mm. more because I feel like it happens in particular ways here that I'm just learning that really have to do with who knows who and how they act behind closed doors. Like mm. I've gotten like email transcripts of some conversations that like, Oh my God, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so just, I gotta, I gotta make it a point to hold that. Cause it's so easy to fall back into like white boys club. Mm. 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 Just taking all that in. <laughs> oh. I know one thing that we encourage our listeners to do um, at the end of every time we, <laughs> I was going to say we meet, so it's not quite a meeting. You and I are meeting. <laughs> folks are listening mm-hmm. to it. 
Um, but it's to move money, to move money to a different organization led by folks of color, mm-hmm. um, moving, you know, racial justice work forward. And the place we want to encourage you to move money towards is called Song, Southerners on New Ground. And Song is a home for LGBTQ liberation all across all lines of race, class, ability, age, culture, gender, and sexuality in the American South. Um Song builds, sustains, and connects a Southern regional base of LGBTQ people in order to transform the region through strategic projects, campaigns, uh, developed in response to the current conditions in in their communities. And they build the movement through leadership development, intersectional analysis, and organizing. Um, We would love to, to have you move money there, and we'll put a link somewhere. Yes? Yes. Yes. We will post that. We will post that on our, on our socials so that you all have access to that. And again, thank you. We've been a little slow. Like when we moved money for, um, Marsha P. Johnson Center last time, all of our regular social stuff got interrupted by me being in a grief hole. So we'll make sure that we do that moving forward. And if you like this podcast, feel free to like, subscribe, and support us on coffee at ko-fi.com. In it together, allies. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thoughtfulness. Mm. Yeah. And I just want to say for anybody who's listened this far, we may have gotten any amount of this wrong. Like we're not in a practice and we were in fact advised against the practice of having everything vetted by folks of color who are in relationship with. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're like, these white folks have it really backwards and you want to share that with us, we're, we will share that back on the show. Like we're committed to, to practicing accountability in public. Um, like we said at the beginning, it's really easy for this to sort of in our effort to sort of strike a balance, to strike the wrong balance. And we want to get that right, both as individual practitioners and as people with the extent that we have a platform, a platform. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tamir. Until next time. Until next time. Thanks, Allison. Mm-hmm.